This is Inside Purple and Gold. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to Inside Purple and Gold. I'm Dane Mizutani alongside Tom Schreier. It's Friday morning, two days before the Super Bowl, and one night uh, or one morning after the NFL Awards. Um, Patrick Mahomes wins MVP yesterday, but Justin Jefferson wins Offensive Player of the Year. Um, so before we talk about the Super Bowl, I just want to give some shout outs to the Vikings who who took home some hardware yesterday. Justin Jefferson, the only one who who wins an actual award. I think Adam Thielen was nominated for man of the year. That ended up going mm-hmm. to Dak Prescott. Um, Dalvin Cook nominated for some, I think it was like a sportsmanship award. I don't know what it is. Okay. Um, Clayus Campbell wins that award. So Justin Jefferson, the only one who walks away with some hardware yesterday, but well-deserved and, and, he was the odds on favor to win it. So obviously he did. Yeah, no, he should. I mean, I think, I think it's worth mentioning, right? He won it over Mahomes, won it over Hertz, um, even Tariq Hill, who, which that one's more of a straight up comparison. So I think he should win that one, but you know, you have the two Super Bowl quarterbacks, right? Who drove winning for both mm-hmm. teams. Uh, Mahomes in his case. I mean, I remember we were talking before the Cincinnati game. And I'm like, well, there's no way after I saw that injury that he'd be able to pull off a victory against a team he's lost to three times in a row. Mahomes is Mahomes, did his thing. And and Jalen Hurts put into a tough spot. Really good roster. Lots of pressure for that team to win. He's stepped up. So, you know, as much as I think we kind of take some of the Jefferson stuff for granted, like if you are, if your goal next year is can I beat Calvin Johnson's NFL record for receiving yards, right? That's his next Next goal. And when he nonchalantly, like I'll never forget the graphic came up when he passed Randy Moss's record, right? Which is the thing he was most upset about at the end of 21. Um, It just flashed on the screen after like a random reception early in the Giants regular season game. And I was like, well, that seems about right. That like, yeah, all right. He passed Randy Moss's record. You know what I mean? And so, you know, we shouldn't take for granted what uh, Jefferson's doing and what he's probably capable of doing. Assuming he stays healthy, you know, given his age and given um if you're gonna pay him that much money the offense is gonna be oriented around him so i don't know still exciting given uh given he beat out two quarterbacks he kind of mentioned in his acceptance speech you know there there's more to come um and and then there is more to come like Mm -hmm. i think it's pretty obvious um 50 people voted for that media members um justin jefferson garnered 35 of the first place vote so he's getting his respect um I, i think it's it's safe to if you want to call him the number one receiver in the league you're, you're kind of mm-hmm. splitting hairs with anyone in the top five. Um, yeah. Any given week or any given month, um, a, a new guy can can emerge. But right now, Jefferson, I think, has the crown. Um, he finished fifth place in, in, in MVP voting, too, which I think speaks volumes. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we've talked a little bit about that on this pod. But, like, that's a quarterback award. And, and if you're getting even in, in the conversation of, of, of finalists, like, yeah, that's an accomplishment in of itself. So he's getting that respect he deserves. Um, and, and you know, like like he said, um, there's more to come. There definitely is. Uh, Kevin O'Connell wins, uh, you know, he, sixth place in, in coach of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian Dable, Tom's guy, um, wins coach of the yeah, year. Yeah, so yeah. I was a little surprised by that, um, but it's it certainly deserved. I thought they would just give it to Nick Sirianni because yeah. his team – won the most games and was the best team for the duration of the season. But Brian Dable did a phenomenal job, did a lot with a little this year in, in New York. Um, the fact that Dable's one and O'Connell is six 
you, you kind of lose me there a little bit because I think they had pretty comparable seasons. Um, but I think there's no arguing that that Brian Dable got more out of his roster in, in terms of what he had in place and what he was able to help elevate. I think that award to me, and I guess this isn't by definition, but like who surprised you, right? You know, like right. if, if, and granted this is, this tends to happen, right? They'll be like, well, how did this coach get fired three years after he was coach of the year? And you're like, well, he overachieved in his first year and then struggled when there was expectations to play a harder schedule. It's, it's like not that complicated. Um, but I do think the the narrative matters with that. And like with Dayball, and I guess why I put him over Connell is like, I just didn't think Daniel Jones had anything. And like, yeah. now he's going to get a contract extension. Like we were before the Giants regular season game. I remember we were trying to name players on their roster. This is a team in New York with history behind it. Great ownership, um, you know, whatever. And it's like, also an NFC team, you know what I mean? And like, I was like, oh, there's Daniel Jones. And didn't they have that receiver from Buffalo and Barkley, Saquon Barkley. And like, he did a lot with that. And I, I assume this translates, right? I mean, he had coached for Buffalo, which is a really talented team. Mm -hmm. um, I think he just knows kind of the stuff around the margins in terms of like manages the clock well and whatever, getting the play in is a basic thing. But it seems like he doesn't make the mistakes that like other coaches do. And, and it is kind of a football whiz, right? So I think he's the full deal. I think what held O'Connell back is like, what they did was so unexpected, but the narrative all year was when does the shoot drop, right? When do you lose a one score game? And as you got closer and closer, and it's not like they really ever improved on the margin of those games, you're like, well, this could happen when it matters most. And it did, right? You know what I mean? If straight up between the two, Dayball was the coach who won that game and then ran into the buzzsaw, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think in, in the case of O'Connell, I do think he deserves more in this. Like, I this is not coincidental. It's not as though, like, they just got a lucky 11 times. Yeah. Right. Um, it's, it's, it's situational mastery. Now they created this problem for themselves with bad defense by not scoring enough. There's still more you could do to maximize Jefferson or whatever, but like um, considering like the circumstance he walked into a culture, he had to completely revamp whole new coaching staff. I mean, again, it's, he hired Donatel, but this old defense that wasn't very good um, and, and broke down towards the end of the season. And the fact, like, you think of the Hawkinson thing, that's a lot on him, right? Hawkinson, within four days, learned enough offense to be productive in Washington. But he did just integrate a really important player, like, in the middle of a season. And you had to you had to do something with that trade because you screwed up all your draft capital. That's obviously the nature of the trade. So, um, I don't know. I do think O'Connell deserved more. He was not going to be coach of the year, in my mind, unless he had to win a playoff game. And I think he almost had to show something in the second one. And again, like my impression coming away from the second round on up, I was like, the Vikings are not close to this team. So again, Connell really accomplished in his first year, but still has a lot to do in terms of getting those teams to the championship standard. He's trying to set. Absolutely. Um, took a big step in that obviously earlier this week, hiring Brian and Brian Flores. Um, so we'll see foundations in place. If you're not winning coach of the year, really doesn't matter where you finish, but sixth place in the voting kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Um, I think but I digress. Well, and one thing I noticed, like we had talked about pre-show, like Thielen, who obviously did not win an award, but he got a lot of airtime on first take. So I guess yeah. this is why it comes to mind. He, he had said something like, you know, they probably learned some of the wrong answers from, mm -hmm. from these one-score games, right? And it's a, it's a little interesting given he's in a weird spot, right? I mean, he's, as everyone knows from here, walked on the team, played for the Minnesota Vikings forever. But we don't know his future, right? We don't know what he'd accept in terms of if they restructure the contract. Um, we don't know what he's going to be like as a slot receiver as he gets into his thirties. But I do think 
this was a valid point is like it did seem like as much as I think the offense evolved a little bit or whatever, the biggest knock on O'Connell, which is tough given he won 13 games after mm-hmm. going 500, but the biggest knock was like, you just didn't see the evolution, right? It was almost this. I remember I asked him after they lost in the playoffs, like, did it feel abrupt? And he said it did. And I was like, I mean, that's because you, you guys almost kind of assumed you'd just pull out these one score games. Right. And he did, he did a good work. You know, we, we'd watch his like post game stuff. He did a good job with the culture, make these guys feel good about themselves. And it wasn't the Zimmer kind of almost overly workmanlike, right? Like, Hey, we got to practice tomorrow. And you're like, we can't mm-hmm. acknowledge that you just won a game on a field goal or whatever. Right. But the flip side is like, I do think they almost kind of took for granted that, Hey, as long as we get it within one, within one score, we'll win the game. You mentioned Adam Thielen. I think that's a pretty good segue. Like Adam Thielen talked on first take. Like you said, he mentioned that he he thinks losing games earlier in the year, as counterproductive as it sounds, might have actually helped this team kind of figure itself out um, a little sooner. He also said he wants to retire Minnesota Viking. Mm-hmm. That's what all these guys say, like when they're in contract negotiations. Mm-hmm. Uh, he acknowledged his his hefty salary cap yeah. hit and, and and cap you know dollar he's gonna have to take a pay cut if he if he wants yeah. to stay here also it's 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 not totally clear and, and again this is all read between the lines because it's negotiation adam thielen's been in the league a long time he knows how to do this he still thinks he has something to give and and mm-hmm. i think he was a little unhappy with with the way he was utilized this year um, maybe, like I said, maybe that is part of the negotiation is just mm-hmm. saying like, I have more, like, you're not going to walk into the room with, with Quasey and say like, you know, I, I stink now. So whatever you want to pay me, um, yeah, yeah, I yeah. just want to be in Minnesota. So you, you kind of have to have that, that confidence in yourself. Um, but you know, Adam Thielen is also a really smart guy. And I, and, and I think he understands that like, as competitive as he is, like, he, he probably has lost a step. Um, he probably looking at the rest of the league and the landscape of the receiver position. Like where is he going to get a lot of money? Like there's probably not a lot of suitors out there. Mm-hmm. It feels like that deal gets worked out at some point. It feels like if the Vikings want him and Adam Thielen wants the Vikings, they will be able to work out a restructure at some point. He just can't play at that cap number next year. Yeah, no, I mean, I think I think his number is similar to Harrison Smith, who, again, older player, but I think is, is, has been misused in the Donatel system. Um, and Brian O'Neill, who's crucial, like him and Darius are so important to this mm-hmm. team, right? The fact that you can kind of build an offensive line because of the two guys you have there. Um, that's not Thielen. And I don't know if I fault the Vikings for thinking he, he might have been. I mean, the hard thing with him is like, he will always have this mentality. He'll be a 37-year-old guy who'd probably convince himself he could get back in the league, assuming he's, I guess, not in it at that point. Um, probably because of the origin story of, like, he had to walk on the team from Mankato and all this stuff. Um, and I'll, and almost all these guys have a doubt story, right? Like, Jefferson mm-hmm. always talks about how in high school he wasn't recruited or whatever. I mean, certainly Cousins. It was very funny seeing, in, I think it was the Pro Bowl, um, Robert Griffin – 
interviewed Cousins, which is a very kind of funny dynamic, right? Because like Cousins was basically just drafted to be a backup. Um, you know, so Cousins could talk about how like maybe people didn't see him. He franchised to take twice. People didn't see him as a franchise quarterback or whatever. But especially in Thielen's case, okay. I just think he'll always believe he has something there. Um, I think the question is, do does he see himself as a three and do they see him as a three? It'll make the negotiation easier. You could probably figure out what that number is and you figure out how to make the rest of the cap stuff work. Mm-hmm. Does Thielen see himself as number two, in which case I'm just becoming more doubtful of this. We talked about the knee injury and, and also like teams played him really physically. Like I think it started with Detroit and any team that had a pass rush basically would just try to jam him at the line. Yep. Um, and so again, I don't know if it's a combination of he's just slower and he's easier to play physically. He's injured and he's easier to play physically. Something of the all three, regardless, I just, I don't, he's not the receiver. I think he was as an all pro, right? And if he thinks he is, that's going to make the negotiation tough. And it, we just may have to accept, like, it's weird seeing Theo in another jersey, but he may just retire. You know what I mean? It may, it may be like, ah, I was, remember that one year with the Panthers, right? Or whatever. And you just like, it sucks. You kind of want it to be um, until the end. But I think, I think one weird thing that worked was like, and Jordan Hicks said something about this towards the end of the year or whatever. Um, and again, he's came from the outside. He's just observing this as a guy who I think will only be here for a year. He's like, there was some culture that was cultivated even in the Zimmer regime as tense as it got. Right. Think of how like Rudolph wanted to stay and all these guys kind of want to stay in Minnesota. And to be fair, if Thielen ends up staying or even if he ends up going, but kind of says good things out the door, like, that is important here. Like it's just, it, it'd be hard to recruit in for a hundred different reasons in players. They have to draft and develop. And I think you do want players to stay, even though again, people, fans will complain about like, well, did they, ha- you know, hold on to Kendrick's a little too long, maybe feeling too long. Harrison Smith. I would rather have that than guys being like, get me the hell out of here as soon yeah. as my rookie contract is up and think about it from the Jefferson's perspective, right? Like, Another thing not to take for granted here, he's going to ask for a lot of money, but also you want him to be happy throughout that contract because you can give him a contract and in a year, he, you know, and not necessarily him, but any player can go, get me the hell out. And we saw with Diggs and some of these other guys, the team will let him go because they become trouble in the clubhouse. So um, I do think it's worth monitoring, even though Thielen's not as important as he once was the Vikings. He is important to the franchise, right? And to the state. And like, I'm curious how they handle this going forward. For sure. Yeah, his cap cap number is 19-6 next year. So it's yeah. the second highest cap hit on the team. He's, he's absolutely not going to play at that. But you're right, Tom. Like, this is a guy who a lot of fans and, in you know, feel a connection with. A lot of people within the organization feel a connection with. So the optics of a new general manager, new head coach coming in, underutilizing this guy for a year, even though he has taken a step back and then kicking into the curb, like that, that's not going to go over well. So like, you're right. Like there, there needs to be some tact involved in this. Um, And I think there will be like, because deep down, like, you know, like maybe he does play for, like you said, the Panthers for a year or two and then retire. And then we just don't remember his Panthers years. I, I, I think Adam wants to be here. Um, yeah, his yeah. life is here. He grew up here. Like, and if it means leaving a little money on the table, um, like he's not going to go somewhere and be like an effective two anymore. Like he's just not like, that's just not who he is anymore. Um, he might think it is who he is at this point, but like, 
watching him last year, and even though there were probably some injuries here and there um, that he was battling through, he wasn't separating the way he used to. Um, you know, the speed has taken a yeah a dip over the years. He just all the things he used in his bag to win in in the past just kind of got a little less this year. So that's what happens with age. Um, but I think yeah. when you look in the mirror, like you understand, like I'm not this guy anymore. Like I need to kind of take a step back. Why not do that at home? Yeah. He also had two like pretty serious injuries, right. And within the last three years, I'm right. to think. but yeah, I, this is an anecdotal, but like, again, this doesn't mean he'd necessarily resign, but in terms of his commitment here, he has his uh, high school helmet in his locker room or in his locker. And I only know this because I saw a red. So it's Detroit Lakes. It's probably like yeah, the yeah, or something, yeah. right? And like it has a little sailboat on it and it's red. And I was like, I thought it was like an XFL helmet or something. I was like, why that? What the hell is that? And he's like, yeah, it's a high school helmet. And then he has the little Maverick bull, right? I think the, you know, like their mascot or whatever. Again, doesn't mean that he wouldn't end up in like Cincinnati or something just because of that. But I do think the the commitment's real. And I don't, again, I don't think it's just because he's a Minnesota player. We saw it with Kyle Rudolph or whatever. And they do have to think about alumni re- relations, right? Like there is something to like, you see these guys, I mean, Jared Allen prominently this year, but like kind of the Vikings legends, if you will, floating around. And I think O'Connell did a good job right away being like, hey, these guys are welcome here, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so- you know, they do, they have to think through it. It's obviously a business decision, but I, I mean, Thielen's out of his mind if he thinks he's playing on that cap hit, and I don't think he is. I think the bigger question is just like, where does he think he is? And the team also has to think about this holistically. If Thielen's three and we're paying X amount, we're going to give Hawkinson this much and Jefferson this much. How do we, uh, you know, get a receiver two with five draft picks basically? So, um, I mean, it's tricky stuff, but I don't think it can't be overcome. One more nugget before we switch over to Super Bowl kind of chatter. Um, Tom, the chemistry between me and you is is, is building by the day because yep. you you mentioned Jared Allen. Um, that's another good segue. You you got me from from awards to Thielen, then you got me from Thielen to Jared Allen. Um, Jared Allen does not make the Hall of Fame. Um, yeah, I think that's three straight years now on the ballot and and, and, and not getting in. I think he's going to get in eventually. I think he probably should, yeah. but. Um, He's not a first ballot Hall of Famer um, by like actual fact. He's not because he's not a third. Yeah, you know, it's his third time on the ballot. Um, but I'm not sure he had a first ballot Hall of Fame career anyway. Um, I, I think he yeah. gets in eventually, but um, I don't know. Curious if you if you have any issues with him not getting in this year. I mean, it it felt a little. It's not exactly the same. Like he. Jared Allen's an interesting guy in some ways, just kind of a, a dude, right? I mean, he kind of presents yeah. himself as, ah, you know, he's like your buddy who's in the neighborhood or whatever. Um, and I do think that helps him here. There's a weird comp, but it's a little like the Tory Hunter thing where I think people, because we got so used to his personality here, he finished his career with the twins. We think of him as this like hall of fame center fielder. And I think if you look at it statistically, he's, he's like a rung below that. Um, Jared Allen's more of an impact player within football, it also felt a little like the Hawkinson trade. I mean, obviously, Allen holds this over the Chiefs that they weren't willing to, like, pay him. And, I mean, it's still to this day kind of has an axe to grind with them. Um, but to be fair, like, the Vikings were opportunistic, and it went as well as it could. I don't think, going back to kind of the feeling thing, I think Allen actually finished his career with the Panthers and the Bears, I think. Uh, it all, you almost forget about it, right? You think about him in the purple uniform, you know, doing his his signature uh, sack dance and stuff. So mm-hmm. um, he fit very much. As much it's so funny, he's from like Palo Alto or something, but he he feels like this cowboy, right? Who rode in and like 
was a fit in terms of the Vikings have been known for defense was a star player. Um, I think fans still like still wear his Jersey, right? He's in that kind of like not quite Carter mob, but he's in that category where people wear his old jersey to the game and stuff. Um, having said that, I'm trying to think from like, it's harder from the national perspective to think like where he fits, but I see this more as like, the NFL Hall of Fame isn't running into the NBA issue where like the, the NBA kind of just lets anyone in now. Everyone. As long as you're kind of an impact player for a while. Yeah. Um, I think the NFL still holds a high standard. Having said that, I'd be surprised if he doesn't get in. I mean, he in terms of like raw numbers and stuff, some of that is there. I just think we perceive him. If you if you watch the Vikings, like I watched him growing up or you, you know, whatever, you um you know the personality, how much that trade meant, um, the fact that he's still visible. Uh, you know, from a national perspective, like that stuff, I think matters less to them. And they're probably looking at raw numbers and some tape. Um, but I do think, I mean, he was, he, to, to me, he, he belongs in that, in that camp. Having said that he was not a first ballot guy. And like, I don't think it's an indictment on him. That's taking this song to go in. Yeah. Um, names that got in last night or were announced at, at NFL awards, Joe Thomas, Darrell yeah. Rebus, Rondé Barber, Demarcus Ware and Zach Thomas. So, yeah, it's a it's a, uh, it's a defensive heavy list, and all of those guys. I mean, you can make an argument for pretty much everyone over Jared Allen. So he'll get in eventually. Um, I, I really think that um, just wasn't his year. Um, hasn't been the past two either. But um, the impact player he was over the course of the league during his career. Um, I think at some point he's going to get it. Let us let's just shift over to Super Bowl right now, Tom, because the game is in two days. Um, it's one of my favorite days of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just like I, I know it's cliche to ask for that Monday off. Um, I also like have a fake job because I'm a sports reporter, so like <laughs> I get the Monday off if I want it. But like, th- there's nothing like Super Bowl Sunday, and and I think it, it's it's really fun. Um, I love Patrick Mahomes, so I can't wait for Sunday as, as yeah. You know, because of that reason as well. Um, what do you think going into this game? Um, you know, I, I think the line right now, it keeps moving, but right now Eagles minus one and a half um, over under 51. Um, so it, essentially yeah. pick them and, and, and people that, you know, Vegas thinks it's going to be pretty high scoring, pretty entertaining. Like I would be inclined to agree. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't, here's the thing. I doubted my homes for a minute there where, Going into the Cincinnati game, you were like, I'm not doubting Mahomes. I, again, I was like, I think Burrow's going to beat him. You mm-hmm. Look at that high ankle sprain or whatever. If you told me Mahomes joined the – so the Waste Management Open is like the Phoenix Open, right, that leads into the Super Bowl. Yep. You're yep. like, yeah, Mahomes just jumped into the pool, the shot three under. You know, I'd be like, it wouldn't blow my mind. You know, I had a hole in one on 17. And I'd be like, yeah, you're probably right. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm just – I'm not going to doubt him. I don't think that roster is as good. You always worry about like Andy Reid doing something ridiculous that like caught, you know, like a time management thing or whatever, mm-hmm. like that kind of costs them. Um, but this is a guy who's, you know, been around a little bit and, and I, you know, ready for this. Um, and I do think like the Eagles are one of the only teams that would survive in the AFC, right? I mean, we just saw a huge disparity. Look at the, the path that the two teams took. And I, I know Kansas City was challenged more because of Mahomes' injury against Jacksonville, but you're still playing Trevor Lawrence, who is an up and coming quarterback. And I think they're starting to put something together right um where the nfc just you know we talked about the the vikings and one win scores how do you get to 13 i mean it, it was a watered down conference right so um i could see the eagles winning just on merit alone with their with the roster and the talent and sirianni 
I think wisely is, is somehow made that team an underdog. I don't totally know how that works, but you know, he's, he's kind of created the right mentality and, uh, and Hertz has done enough, but I just, again, there's just nothing. I just don't doubt Mahomes anymore. Um, and, and I think, I think he really has something to prove. Obviously any team that gets to the Super Bowl does, but if he wants to get on the Brady track, which is such an incredible, you know, standard, I guess, to hold someone to, but if you want to, it has to happen now because, um, you know, he is, I mean, he's literally just entering his prime, but like, unless we think he's going to last till 45, it's like, you got to start racking them up right now. And the chiefs are like on the cusp of that, given how often they've won the AFC, but like, I would not take anything for granted of your Kansas city. Cincinnati looks good. And you look um, up and down from, you know, bills. And we were talking about Jacksonville and all this stuff. I mean, all the quarterbacks who were in that playoff picture were incredible. And so if you're Kansas city, you're Mahomes, go get it right now. I think that's a good point. Like I would argue that, that Mahomes is already a first ballot hall of famer, like mm -hmm. to go back to you know, Jared Allen, not being one. It sounds crazy because Mahomes has been in the league for like six years, but like he's been in the AFC championship game five times now. Yeah. All, all, every year he's been a starter. Like he's been in the AFC championship game. It's five straight. He has one Super Bowl. So like his, his resume already speaks for itself. Um, He's already one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. But when we talk about legacy, like you're always going to be compared to Tom Brady. And if, if you want to be in that discussion towards the end of your career, you need Super Bowl rings. And he only has one. In fact, the other, like one of the biggest swings in that, that are the, you know, the, the Super Bowl rings conversation, mm -hmm. Mahomes lost to Brady in the Super Bowl. So not only did he yeah. not, pulled serve or fall behind he actually brady got one and, and Mahomes obviously there therefore did not get one so seven rings Mahomes has one um and, and and you're right like you can't take each year for granted like would i be surprised if the chiefs were in the afc championship game next year no like mm -hmm. i almost assume they are going to be but each year like you get to a super bowl like it, it need this, this sense of urgency needs to be there and, and we're not saying anything we're not breaking any news here right like the mm -hmm. chiefs obviously feel that sense of urgency but mahomes definitely has something to prove um it, it's not gonna like tarnish his legacy if, if he goes out on sunday and loses to to jalen hurts and an eagles mm -hmm. team that that's like perfectly constructed and then how he deserves a great you know credit for for what he's been able to do with that team but Mahomes at, at, at a certain point needs to just win these Super Bowls, and and he's proven he can do all these things. You know, he's proven he can play through injury, he can make all the throws, um, he he can get his team to kind of the precipice of of, of this greatness. And, you know, now he needs to win another because he only has one. So it's almost like we hold them to a different standard because we, the, of the way we talk about Mahomes and like the pantheon of quarterbacks across the league, but that's what comes with the territory. Like he only has one right now. Like if we were talking about Kirk cousins, it was like, well, he has one. That's great. Like, you know, yeah, but like yeah. right. Mahomes, if, if, if we want to talk about him in, in the goat discussion and at some point down the road, we will be, um, you need more than one. Because I, yeah, I was thinking, not only did he lose, and I always think of that Super Bowl as like they didn't have an offensive line, and he was like, he was getting mm -hmm. walked. I mean, that was that was a really good defense on Tampa side and stuff. But not only do you have that loss, and yes, this directly affects kind of both legacies. 
I believe also they lost an AFC championship game, right? With the weird overtime rules and like yep. where the defensive players, <laughs> you know, not lining up right or whatever. Yep. Um, yep. But, you know, again, like that's that stuff matters. Um, I mean, assuming Brady stays retired, which I think he does. And either way, I mean, we saw we saw his play tail off towards the end of last season. Um, it just it just it's opening so many different things, not only for Mahomes, but we talked about all these like a Justin Herbert, right? You know, like those guys need to step up. The league kind of needs it, but also like there's just more opportunity. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, I just, you're right. It's, it's very funny to think like for most quarterbacks, for the Vikings organization, you win one Super Bowl. Like most people would be like, I never thought that, would, you know, the, the closest comp I can think of is I have a friend from Cleveland. I've known him long enough that this was before the Cavs won. And I remember him being like, we're more tortured, like whatever. And like, mm-hmm he truly never thought he'd see one of the teams win. Right. And like, even was kind of in disbelief when, uh, you know, LeBron comes back and wins a championship there. Um, same thing with, I have a friend who's a Cubs fan and it's different because I don't think Chicago is like a tortured sports town, but like Cubs fans were right. And like, even kind of this disbelief, like days after that, they're like, did I actually see the guy? Some of these guys are like there in person, right. You know, like, did I actually see this or did I see it on my television? Um, and with, with the Chiefs, you're like, and Mahomes, you're like, well, let me know when you get to kind of four, five, six, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But they're they're this talented, reads that good of a coach in, in terms of an offensive mind. And Mahomes just like fooled all of us in some ways or kind of like messes with your mind because he was so ready, right? And this is the anecdote of like, you know, his dad was a reliever for the Twins. His uh, godfather is the Troy Hawkins. And I think this has now like been nationally profiled in ESPN, but like, Hawkins idea here is that he's like Mahomes was just born into this environment right like he just as a kid there's a picture of him and his dad and he's holding a metronome which is probably only like 10,000 people (laughs) but like you know there's like he's in an arena and like he just you think about these crazy throws he's made away you can do that if you're comfortable in that environment and so he creates the standard because like let's say with Cousins he had a start under you know Robert Griffin and like he wasn't really seen as a starter and he had to kind of push his way through two different franchise tags. And then, you know, you think about, I mean, obviously he got paid, but the adversity he faced here, you know, it's just a different pathway where like Herbert, we hold to a different standard because every, you know, a lot of people doubted him because of his like personality basically. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as people saw him play, you're like, Oh, he's ready to go. And now we're kind of talking more like, is this coach rolling back as the organization or whatever, but it's because he was so ready right away. And it is just like, this is just what happens. You almost kind of get punished for being good immediately. Uh, having said that, I wouldn't count Mahomes out. Like, I think he's fully capable of this. And I'm almost not joking when I'm saying, like, I think he could just, like, you know what I mean? Like, warm up to the Super Bowl with my fine golf or whatever. You know what I mean? He just, yeah, like, yeah. there's something about his mentality. He's obviously physically capable, but he's just, he would not be worried about the pressure of, like, 200,000 people at the Waste Management Open, nor is he going to be awed by the bright lights. of the, He's been there already. And so, there's something to it. It's why these teams like the Patriots when they're in this playoffs every year, like Brady, Brady knows, knew how to prepare for a Super Bowl, Right. Mm-hmm. And like Belichick was not worried about like, you know, a deficit in a playoff game or something like that. So um, it is weird that that's the double standard. But having said that, what you enable yourself by creating that standard is you can sure. go out and do something great. Yeah, absolutely. All right. We'll do our last purple prop party of the season. Tom, normally I do this one alone, but uh, you know, you're free. There's not enough like, 
there's too many prop bets, right? We're not going to go over all of those. We'll just, me and Tom, will just go line. We'll make our picks. Um, But one of the coolest things about the Super Bowl is that like you can bet on freaking anything. Like, right. Like I, obviously the Gatorade color is a thing. Like I saw like, which song is Rihanna going to sing at halftime first, you know, whatever you want to bet on, like you can bet on. Um, So go ahead, figure that out. Look for that on your own. Um, make some fun prop bets. Like it's always fun how much money's on the coin toss because it's like literally just a 50-50 chance and people are throwing a ton of money on it for for really yeah. no reason. Because um, they're gamblers. Yeah. yeah, because it's fun, right? Um, so me and Tom are just gonna talk about the line, but go ahead and look up some prop bets yourself. Put some in, it's fun. Um, but Tom, here it is. Eagles minus one and a half, over under 50 and a half. What do you got? You go first. I'll go next. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, because I have the Chiefs winning here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna bet against the Eagles. I guess I do. Maybe this is wishful thinking, but I do think it goes over. I mean, I just two teams who are pretty talented. Mm-hmm. I also think if you're the Chiefs to win, you have to, you have to outscore. I mean, obviously by nature, but like you, you have to run up the score a little bit because the defense yeah. isn't very good. So, um, see, so yeah, I'm inclined to take the Chiefs here, and then, um, and then, uh, and then the over. I'm I'm right there with you. I'm not picking against Patrick Mahomes. Um, like we've talked about at length. I think this is the year he, he gets over the hump once again. Um, I think it's an over too. Um, I think it's a pretty solid line. Um, Cause like, I think when you think of the Super Bowl, sometimes you think like, Oh, you know, or, you know this Mahomes hurts. Like it's going to be a pinball yeah. football game, but like the Super Bowl oftentimes is just a, a very, very, very good game contested. And, you know, on both sides of the ball, um, but I'm taking the chiefs. I'm taking the chiefs. I'm taking the over. Um, and I'll take, you know, like I I've seen a lot of prop bets across the league. Like it, it's funny looking at super bowl MVP, like it's hurts or it's Mahomes and hurts. And then it's everyone else because if the Eagles win hurts is probably going to win the super bowl MVP. If the chiefs win Mahomes is probably going to win the super bowl MVP. Yeah, so yeah. all of that's me saying, Mahomes is going to hoist that Lombardi trophy on Sunday. I think he's going to win the MVP. I think it's going to be two more notches in his belt, um, you know, as he works to chase down Brady as the GOAT. Um, But I can't wait for Sunday, and I know you can't either. You excited for the halftime show? I am. I Like, there's other people who, like, some of our writers are like (laughs) – consider again that they write about football it's like there's the halftime show there's rihanna whatever and then like they're like oh yeah the game will be cool (laughs) but i'm not quite there but i think also the halftime show has gotten drastically better right recently i mean i'm trying to i'm trying to think of like recent ones but um they bring it every year now yeah yeah i mean i think they'll do and and you know arizona isn't quite like it's not like it's being played in like new york or la or whatever but it's a it's a big enough entertainment place like they'll they'll handle this pretty well for sure for sure. All right. There you have it for Tom Schreier. I'm Dane Mizutani. Um, we were recording on Friday morning. So obviously two days before the Super Bowl. We will be back next week to kind of break up, break down the Super Bowl, and then we can kind of fully launch into the offseason um, from a Vikings perspective. Certainly a lot to talk about. I think Brian Flores is going to be introduced next week. Um, so we'll get into that as well. Um, but for now, enjoy the Super Bowl. We appreciate you listening. Uh, we'll be back next week. Twenty Four Hundred Sports is an Odyssey company.